0: TED Audio Collective. When was the last time you had a zany idea at work? Something truly out of the box that you were nervous to say out loud, and when you did, your boss or your colleagues looked at you like, are you okay? Whatever it was that made your idea seem bizarre to some, when shined under a different light, could be viewed by others as creative. And we all know that creativity often leads to innovation. That's how some of our greatest leaps for humankind have happened. Think airplanes, the internet, life-saving medicines, even things like the air fryer. But how often do these zany and creative ideas get dismissed? Sometimes they're rejected because the idea itself is new and different, or it's the person the idea came from who's new and different. There also might be structural reasons why ideas never come to fruition, like there isn't even a good process for generating them. Not to mention, is it possible that the biggest roadblock could be how often government gets in the way of innovators who want to solve big problems? I'm Madhu this is Ted Business. Our speaker today is Catherine Mangu Ward, journalist and editor-in-chief of Reason, a libertarian monthly magazine. In this talk, Catherine asks us to consider if capitalism is a good thing and makes the case that our best hope for the future is to allow people to explore their weird ideas in a free market system. Then after the talk, I'll bring these ideas down to the company level by sharing insights from an organization with a unique process that encourages zany ideas. But first, a quick break. This show is brought to you by Schwab. With Schwab investing themes... It's easy to invest in ideas you believe in, like artificial intelligence, big data, robotic revolution, and more. Choose from over 40 themes. Buy as is or customize the stocks in a theme to fit your goals. Learn more at schwab.com slash thematicinvesting.
1: On Working Smarter, hear practical discussions about what AI can do so that you can work smarter, too. Listen to Working Smarter on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Or visit workingsmarter.ai. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast—
3: A lot. But in my 20 years as a libertarian journalist, I have started to pick up that some people aren't as fond of capitalism as I am. That's fine. But here's the thing. I think a lot of the stuff that you think you hate about capitalism is actually stuff to hate about government. Before we get started kvetching, though, I want to sing you a little song. And you've probably heard it before, so feel free to sing along if you like. Don't worry, I'm not actually going to sing. It's fine. 200 years ago, in 1820, the global rate of absolute poverty, which is defined imperfectly as living on less than $1.90 a day, was 84%. That's enormous. Today, the World Bank puts that number at 9%. Over the same period, uh, life expectancy went from less than 30 years to 72, and there were similarly remarkable gains in access to food, water, housing, education during that period. That period coincides so neatly with the rise of global capitalism that I flatly refuse to believe it's a coincidence. I think sometimes we get so caught up in talking about what capitalism could or should be that we forget what it has been and what it is. So I want to just take a minute to do some like, greatest hits of capitalism. They include electric light, personal mobile phones, Cheap fertilizer, commercial aviation, and current capitalists are working on cool stuff like cryptocurrencies and geoengineering and plant-based meat. I also recently learned that there is a zero-sugar, alcoholic version of Taco Bell's Baja Blast Mountain Dew. And I don't actually know if that's a point for or against my argument, but it did really feel like you should know. (laughs) So amongst all of this miraculous market activity, we also have government. And that means we have two problems. The first problem is that governments don't love it when weird new stuff gets born. Second problem is that governments also don't love it when familiar old stuff dies. So let's talk about the new stuff first. The thing about capitalism is that it is an emergent system. It's, uh, like all evolutionary mechanisms, powered by mutations. And in this case, what the mutations are, are very weird people trying new stuff. And when we need really big progress, big new stuff, that means we need really, really weird people. Prior to the rise of modern capitalism, it absolutely sucked to be weird. Uh, Best case scenario, a new idea ended up kind of dying on the vine for lack of opportunities or resources to go forward. Worst case scenario, trying something heroic and new Could put you at odds with the powers that be in times and places when those powers were absolute. So imagine you have a great plan to open up a new trade route between Europe and Asia during the Anglo-Dutch wars. That is a brilliant way to get a face full of cannonballs. I am not saying that every weirdo has a brilliant apocalypse-averting idea that also happens to be a viable commercial enterprise. Most new ideas are bad. There's a reason people haven't done it before. Just like most mutations are evolutionary dead ends. But that's okay. Because high-functioning capitalism is characterized by a tremendous amount of corporate failure. Governments don't actually like it when familiar old corporations fail. They prefer to do business with the taxable, already-regulated devils that they know. But that's too bad, because my personal favorite thing about companies is that they can die. When companies die, of course, that imposes hardship on customers, on employees, on communities, on your 401k. My family wasn't allowed to set foot in a Walmart for a generation after Walmart put my granddaddy's general store out of business, so I get it. At the same time, failure is the fate of nearly every company, and that is why capitalism works. Imagine, if you will, when a company fails, it releases into the market labor and resources, talent that can be better used Elsewhere. Imagine a tree falling in the forest and rotting and fueling new growth. Good news though, for fans of corporate death like myself, the original Fortune 500 list in 1955, 90% of those companies either went under or merged or just fell off the list altogether. And corporate death does seem to be accelerating. To better understand this corporate birth and death dynamic, I'm going to tell you two wildly oversimplified stories. The first is about General Motors, and the second is about Facebook. Now, I didn't pick these companies because I think they are particularly evil or even terribly unusual. They're doing stuff that makes sense in a system that's a little bit broken. So let's start by talking about General Motors. General Motors is actually one of the tiny number of companies from that original Fortune 500 list in 1955 that's still hanging out near the top. And starting a car company is moderately nuts, really, at any time. It's a pretty impressive thing that they took what was once a ridiculous luxury and turned it into an everyday necessity. But then government got used to GM. GM got used to government, and by 1981, government is using the power of eminent domain to wipe out an entire working-class neighborhood in Detroit just because GM wants to build a factory there. That coddling continues through the 2008 financial crisis, when GM received really quite a massive bailout from the government. That's not market failure, that's government failure. Market would have stripped GM for parts a long time ago. Now let's talk about Facebook. Same deal, right? Sort of wacky people trying something new just to see if it'll work. And at first, Facebook was fun, remember? We got hot dates, and we found lost dogs, and college reunions became totally obsolete, which was awesome. (laughs) A few people made a lot of money, and the rest of us were a little bit better off. But flash forward 14 or 15 years, and Facebook is being called repeatedly to the congressional carpet to answer for actually all the sins of big tech. Mark Zuckerberg, though, takes a conciliatory stance. He asks only to be allowed to help write the regulations that will govern his firm and, coincidentally, those of his competitors. Here's where it gets a little complicated, though, because even as some legislators are working with Facebook lobbyists to write rules for the industry, others have introduced a bill to break up Facebook and punish it for its sheer size. Meanwhile, an informal poll of the Gen Zers in my life informs me that Facebook is cringe. (laughs) TikTok is eating Facebook's lunch, And uh, the first quarter earnings report of Meta came with a surprise. The market cap of the firm had actually dropped below the level written into that bill to to punish firms for being too big. So the joke's on Congress. Facebook is going to end up avoiding regulation by shrinking. But unfortunately, it's going to take its competitors with it. This is a classic example of politicians being lagging, not leading indicators. We are rich, thanks to two centuries of global capitalism, but we do still have problems. As a great sage once observed, mo money may in fact correlate with mo problems. (laughs) The way forward is to figure out what the public and private sector can each do best and help them figure out how to stay in their lane. When it comes to government, I am open to the possibility that the answer to what it can do best is nothing. (laughs) But we don't all have to become anarchists today. It's clear that uh, liberal institutions, rule of law, functioning courts, private property rights have been very powerful in this project of fostering innovation. You already know what markets do best. They let people try stuff. They send strong signals when that stuff isn't working, and they have fueled an incredible arc of growth and poverty eradication. If we are to have optimism for a radically better world to continue this path that capitalism has put us on, we cannot let government collaborate with business to wreck the engine of the market. Weirdos trying stuff and sometimes being allowed to fail at it are our best hope as a species. Thank you.
2: It feels just right when I'm hitting my running trail that's just out behind my house. You now can take your daily run in the better-than-ever Go 16. You can visit brooksrunning.com to learn more. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card.
0: Catherine is highlighting that governments get in the way of new ideas by bolstering old ideas, not letting companies die, and putting up barriers like regulation. And organizations sometimes do the same thing, which brings to mind a company that I respect and admire that strives to do the opposite. It's called IDEO. IDEO creates products using an approach that, in the words of their CEO, Tim Brown, integrates the needs of people, the possibilities of technology, and the requirements for business success. The folks at IDEO have designed so many game-changing products, from the first computer mouse for Apple to PillPack, which is a prescription home delivery system that organizes medications into pre-sorted packets labeled by date and time sent straight to your door. They've even helped reimagine the breast-pumping experience by designing a cordless, discreet pump for new mothers to continue life on the go. So how does IDEO bolster new ideas instead of getting in the way of them, like the government does? Part of IDEO's formula for success is their receptiveness to weird ideas and divergent thinking. Their process has been featured in many media outlets, including a classic 1999 Nightline report on ABC. In it, you can see that their team makeup is quite diverse, including a linguist, a psychologist, someone with an MBA, a marketing expert, etc. And the standards that govern the way they problem-solve are based on the rules of improvisation, like deferring judgment equally considering everyone's contributions, and focusing on one conversation at a time. When they're trying to develop a new product, there's no hierarchy, and the leader is merely a process facilitator. This example illustrates that IDEO is committed to breaking down traditional barriers to creativity, such as hierarchy and groupthink. Finally, IDEO isn't afraid to let things die— This is captured in the company's philosophy of failing often to succeed sooner. So think about your organization. Are zany ideas being suppressed or encouraged? Do people have a fear of failure or accept it's the normal part of the work experience? Are there processes that could benefit from adopting some of the norms used by IDEO in their idea generation? Addressing these questions might just give your company the innovation boost it needs. That's it for today. This episode was produced by Kiara Powell and fact-checked by Matias Salas. Special thanks to Anna Phelan, Michelle Quint, Corey Hagem, and Colin Helms. I'm Madupa Akinola. Talk to you again next week.